Thank you for listening to the Cooler Head Sports Podcast. On this week's episode, we start with headlines as always, where Michael once again gets to vent about the Houston sports scene. Then we take it to football with both college and the NFL, where we talk about the ups and downs of the past couple weeks. And then, of course, we finish it off with a closing question. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Michael at Mike, M-I-K-E underscore N underscore I-K-E 55 on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at cpain 12 and on Instagram at c.pain012. And then, of course, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at CoolerHeadsPod. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you like what you hear today. And then, of course, please tell a friend. Hello and welcome to the Cooler Head Sports Podcast. My name is Colin Payne. Here with me today, as usual, Michael Smith. How are you doing today, Mike? What is going on, my man? It's good to be back. How are you doing, brother? Yeah, it took a bit of a break there. Had some. Uh, I was on the injured list, dealing with some medical issues, non-COVID. But we're back, ready to roll, Mike. You ready to get started? Hey, man, let's get it rocking and rolling. I think we got some good stuff. You're coming off the uh, coming off the IR. We're putting you back in the game. I think it's going to be a good time. Yep, I'm fuzzy. Got sea legs again, or working on getting my sea legs again. And uh, <laughs> let's go. Um, starting it off here, Dustin Johnson uh, with headlines. Dustin Johnson won the Masters, setting the tournament record at 20 under. Uh, I spent the entire weekend probably honestly thursday to sunday uh locked in on the couch multiple screens was not very mobile so it didn't have to be anyways uh it's always fun to see augusta um as jim nance might put it a tradition unlike any other as we've never seen before in the fall it was great to have the fall foliage mixing with where we're used to seeing the blooms of azaleas and okay i'm sorry i was trying to get into all the masters terminology and whatnot but michael (laughs) did you enjoy much of the masters man the masters was a good time i had a rehearsal dinner on friday and a wedding on saturday so i was unable to watch really the, the meat of the tournament i caught a lot on thursday and caught a lot on sunday um and it was a good time i mean the course looked good uh there were there were a few there were a few moments where you could see like some uh, some track marks from all like you know, the vehicles and stuff, which I'm sure wasn't up to masters par, um, for lack of a better phrase, you know, pun intended. But hey, man, congrats to Dustin Johnson. That's awesome getting his first win. I mean, he's you know number one golfer in the world ranked right now, and to see the number one guy get it was cool. A lot of good competition, a lot of new names, a lot of amateurs and rookies that were that were playing really good golf. Um, And then on another note, kind of more of funny is, you know, this fall edition of the Masters that we've never seen before. It's almost like they, uh, you know, finished and now they got to start rolling the uh, commercials out for the next Masters in April because, I mean, that's not too far around the corner. So I I wonder how soon we're going to get that back to back. Yeah, it's going to be great to get back to Augusta so quickly. Um, Back to what you're saying on DJ, though. Great to see him win. It was uh, he's always the guy who's had the finishing second monkey on his back, at least for a while now. Most golfers let something like that start to define their career. Like Rory McIlroy has never won at the Masters, and that's pretty much the one thing that is negatively defining his career at the moment. DJ was finishing second 
and major after major after major. And now he's won the Masters. He's back on top in a major. Could that give him some momentum moving forward? I hope so. But it's good to see him get that monkey off his back. And that's not going to define him as a game, that, as a golfer. That's not going to hold him back anymore. It's, it's going to be fun to see him moving forward now. Definitely. I think, at least in my opinion, golf is one of those sports where, you know, I mean, at least in my experiences, like, there's never been one guy where I'm like, oh, I don't like that guy. You know, like, oh, I don't like this football team. Like, it's very well known. I'm not a Cowboys fan, right? But, like, golf is, is one of those sports where it's like, it's just easy to root for most of the people, you know, in the tournament, on the course, happy to see him get a, you know, get his fine, get his win in. Not only did he get his win in, he set the freaking tournament record at 20 under. That was awesome. And he just played steady golf the whole time. He never got too high, never got too low. He stayed in it. Um, and yeah, man, congrats to him. Yeah. Speaking of golfers, we don't like the golfer. I don't like Bryson DeChambeau did not, he shit the bed. did not really compete. Uh, he came into the tournament, said something like, Oh, the part, the course is like par 67 for me, man. And that even make the that cut. pissed off. It was the meme. There was the, the Jordan meme. And I took that shit personally when they put the master's logo over his face. It was <laughs> That was Let's say kiss. I would say the, chef's uh, kiss Twitter content right there. The uh, the course definitely beat him up. I would I would say he did not look too hot. Yeah, and I did was, not do too well on my uh, master's pool at work. I'll put he was it that claiming way. he was dizzy and shit like that. It was annoying. Yeah, I didn't do good on my full weekend masters roster, but I won like four bucks on my weekend roster, so that was cool. Nice, nice. But yeah, overall, I mean. Like you said, it's the first time we've ever had the Masters at this point in time. It was a little odd, but, you know, we didn't get to hear the classic Jim Nance going from March Madness straight into the Masters. Um, but all in all, I think they put it on very well. It was – I know we've, we've, we've touched on this before with other tournaments and things, but, like, specifically the Masters, it's weird, you know, not hearing the roar of the crowd at 18 mm-hmm. or, you know, Amen Corner or just all these, like, uberly famous spots that the course has to offer and but like I said I think they put it on really well good competition everyone seemed to have a good weekend with no major hiccups so yeah that was the only thing they kept kind of going back to was how the crowd might have affected the tournament you know I mean Cam Smith had for example had a stellar shot on Sunday when he was still within reach of Dustin and then uh, there was no roar of the crowd though for to kind of, because sometimes in the past that has shaken guys up when you hear the roar on another part of the course and you're thinking, shit, did I just get caught? Like, did someone just catch up to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless, I thought that Augusta National did a very good job of presenting the course. ESPN and CBS did a great job, as always, with the camera work and then the Masters app, masters.com, all that, providing all the access you could ever ask for. Uh, it never fails. Masters weekend. November, April, it never fails. Definitely not. And last but not least, again, congrats to Dustin Johnson, man. Getting the monkey off your back. Proud of you, man. Absolutely. Um, Next on our headlines, we, as I'm sure a lot of you have seen by now, this will also be one of those first-time evers, at least to my knowledge, um, unless I'm not very well-versed on my NCAA basketball tournament history. But – they announced that the NCAA tournament uh, this next season is going to be all held 
at one location. That location is Indiana uh, or Indianapolis, excuse me. Um, Colin, good luck trying to get a hotel room in that city with 68 basketball teams having to house their entire team and their entire staff. Yeah, that's going to be a, a interesting month there for Indianapolis. I'm cool with it. I like bubble. I like the bubble idea for all these. We've sports. seen it work once. Yeah, we've I mean, it, yeah. You know, we've seen it gone. We've seen it go very successfully. Um, so obviously, we're going to have a lot more teams and a lot more like. Uh, how do I want to say this? Like a, a lot more chance for like slip ups and stuff. But it'll be cool. Like getting to see all these teams playing and talking to each other every single day, kind of like the NBA did. You might as well, you might as well do a bubble though, because every region, like the first round is just a bunch of mini bubbles and then it moves to fewer bubbles and it, you might as well just do it all in one spot. I like this idea. Um, we're not going to have much of a stake in it from what I understand. AM's. A&M's basketball program is never great. Uh, I think Buzz Williams got the recruiting in the next few years to make us <laughs> yeah. make us something, but not sure. this year. Sure. Let's hope so. But I always love March Madness. always love filling out a bracket that ultimately fails in the second round. Uh, good. good. I, I'm, ha- I'm hyped for it. Are you? Yeah, absolutely. I think no matter what they decided to do um, – I'm excited for it because one, you know, at being the sports fans that we are, it's March Madness. It's one of the craziest times of the entire year in any sport, but two, you know, we got the season canceled and the tournament canceled this past year. So kind of, you know, it's going to be able to, going to be able to fill the void um, and and get back to, to, you know, to March Madness. Um, So. Yes, that is very true. Getting missing that last year was kind of one of those first things that was taken from us as sports fans, in this and I would definitely say it was one of the more, um, it was one of the more significant like letdowns, right? Like when you got that notification, you were just like, "Damn it!" Like you that, it like because that. it was new yeah. too. Yeah. We weren't we weren't used to things getting postponed and canceled. Exactly, and then they hit us with that bomb. And but yeah, like I said, it'll be good to get that back. However, they decide to do it, which they've obviously decided to do it this way, um, but. It'd be good to get back into the action with that and failing at brackets, like you said. Yep. Never fails. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Michael, for our last headline, I'm for the probably the second time in the past two or three episodes, I'm just gonna let you complain about Houston sports here for a little bit. So what do you got for us this time? Tillman Fertita, what are you doing? Sell the team. Sell the team. <laughs> Sell the team. <laughs> the Rockets go from I understand we've had some like significant letdowns in the playoffs. Like I get all that, but in a general sense, we went from complete championship contender call it in the last, what, four to five years, three to four years to ah, screw it. We're just going to rebuild. Like what? It happens so fast. It happened. And I, like, I understand teams, like I'm not saying this is like never happened before, but yeah, you're right. It, the sheer like speed at to which it happened. Like, you know, the whole Russell Westbrook experiment, like when he first got traded to the team, it was kind of like, you know, we'll see how this works out. Right. You know, maybe give it a year or two. So like, I'm upset that he wants out obviously, cause it's Russell Westbrook. He's a superstar in the league, but it's, you know, after the initial like jerk reaction of like WTF, 
I kind of like calmed down. I was like, all right, like that's understandable. Like maybe it didn't work out. Maybe he just wants to be the complete sinner, which is respectable. It's fine. But obviously James Harden is our team. But now that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Colin, but it seems as if James Harden is literally demanding a trade away from, from Houston where we thought he, after the Russell Westbrook stuff came out, he was like, no, I'm committed. Like I'm here to stay, blah, blah, blah. And then it was literally almost like overnight. He was like, yeah, no, I'm out. I want to go to the Nets. You know? Yeah, I don't like. I don't necessarily like the way he's handling things at the moment. I don't either. Um, but it's a star-driven league. All that, like, I get it. So, I mean, this is a volatile situation. They got rid of his GM. They got rid of his coach. Russ wants out. Yeah, and that's the thing. <clears throat> it feels I, like I a toxic wanna... situation. You know, you you don't want yeah. that to take over your your team. And I don't want, I don't want us talking about this. I don't want to come off as as thinking it's like, oh, it's James Harden's fault or Russ Westbrook's fault. Like, it is mm-hmm. Tillman Fertitta's fault. It is oh, literally the owner's fault. Like, yeah. you got rid of one of the. Because well, he wouldn't, he wouldn't back Maury in the China stuff, and that's kind of where this all thing started. That was exactly. the first domino, in my opinion. Exactly, and that's where stuff. That's where the dominoes started to fall. And I mean. Daryl Morey, for the last, what, he's been, with, he's been with the Rockets for, what, 13 or 15 years, something like that, like, give or take. Mm-hmm. He's been one of the premier, like, general managers in the entire league. Like, he's a very wanted guy, and he decided to stick with Houston and, and build the team that he did, and he built a pretty solid team. And for him to just be driven out that, that way and then getting rid of Dan Tony, I can understand, like, oh, you know, your offense or your defense just isn't working, like, coaching change in general, but, like, it just didn't – you're right. Something seemed off. Something seemed toxic. And now, like you said, to, to copy you, those dominoes have fallen to the players, right? Mm-hmm. It, it went for, literally from the top all the way down to the, to, the, to the players. And now we're getting rid of guys like Covington. We're trading for Trevor Ariza, who we originally traded away. Now we just traded him tonight. And our, dra- our 16th overall draft pick for a future first round. Like, what – okay, fine, rebuild, we could use that word, but it's just like, what the, what the hell is going on? Like, this just doesn't make any sense, and it happens so fast, and I just, I'm tired of it. Like, I'm over it. We had the, we had the, the you know, Houston had the Astros scandal, and it is what it is, and that's a dead beaten horse, and I get that. We've got Houston, I'm sorry, we've got the Texans, who were a dumpster fire. Now, you know, you've given me hope and saying, Hey, there's still hope with the Texans. Like they got, we think we got rid of the problem. That's fine. But all three of them, man, all three of my teams are now just like, excuse my language, but what the fuck? Like, Yeah. And the cherry on top is the Texans like president sending out that email with a self-help book on how to build a winning organization. God, It's like, seriously, <laughs> dude, like read the room. Like it's you. You are the reason. We don't need a freaking self-help yeah. book on how to run an organization. You need to be better. You should read that book. Yeah. But back on the Rockets this year, it never felt as good as they were this year. It never felt like they were going to win it all. Did it to you? Did it? No. No, and it didn't. But it was when, still at least enjoyable to watch to get that far. I agree with that. I agree with that. Any Russell Westbrook team, in my opinion, is fun to watch. Any James Harden team, in my opinion, is going to be fun to watch. But when that trade for Russ was made, I never felt like that was 
going to be the winning formula in Houston. I never felt like that was going to be the thing that fixed it all. I thought, I thought Chris Paul was honestly a better fit for the system, just not personality-wise. And I don't think two play styles like Russ and Harden work when they're both trying to be the star. It was one thing in Oklahoma City when Harden was the sixth man. It's a whole – and when Durant was the star – it's a whole different ball game when it's two guys trying to be the number one on a team. Yeah. And for talking Chris Paul, I mean, you want to talk about the first domino. I think when he went down with that hamstring, when we were up in the series against the Warriors a handful of years back, that's when shit started to fall, but I digress. And that's not Chris Paul's fault. That's just, that's just, you know, the nature of the game. But um, what's kind of even rubbing me more so in the wrong way is Obviously, neither of them have been traded yet, right? Mm-hmm. And the Rockets came out and said they are perfectly comfortable and content with playing them during the season and, like, not trading them or working out trades. Like, they don't want to be there. So this team is probably not going to gel well, not going to mesh well, and probably not be that fun to – I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel. It's kind of irking me. It's rubbing me the wrong way of them being like, oh, it's fine. We know mm-hmm. they won out, but, yeah, we're totally comfortable, like, playing them and still going through them. Like, What? Yeah, the Russ thing, I think you can get rid of him. I think you can justify getting rid of Russ for the right talent. Um, Harden, man. That one's hard to swallow. That's tough because you don't want to get into a position where a guy is pretty much going on strike, like single-man strike, just sitting out. But at the same time, you don't want to just let him – sit out and end up walking I don't it's that Harden situation's touchy man he's always been a different kind of star in the league too he has he has and it's gonna it's gonna suck to watch our superstars go and the one thing you know is that inevitably he is not gonna be in a Rockets uniform yeah it's almost like you might as well just accept that fact whether that's this year or next year honestly I think the you don't want to rebuild through draft picks because that's what the Thunder are doing. It's not a proven commodity. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're doing, but is it going to work out? I don't know. It's what the Sixers did, and so far it's not really working out there. Well, I think it's just – I think with the, the, the Westbrook trade when it happened, among other things, like it's almost like the Texans. Like we got rid of all of our first-round draft picks for like the foreseeable future, and now – it's almost as if I'm not the expert. I don't work in the front office, but it's almost as if they're trying to be like, Oh shit, we messed up. We don't have any draft picks. Let's try to get them all back with these superstar play. You know what I mean? And like you said, like it's, it's not a proven commodity of rebuilding through first round draft picks. And it just seems like they're trying to backtrack and it's just not a good look, not a good look, not a good look coming for Tito. It isn't Michael. Let's, Let's get your mind off it. Let's move to the NFL and let's start I'm off, off my soapbox. I'm off my soapbox. Let's start <laughs> off with some positive stuff, man. Uh, what would you enjoy from uh, last week in the NFL? Yeah, you know, so in the last episode, we kind of both of us touched on the Cardinals and the Bucks, and it really seems like those two teams are still rolling since last time we talked. Um, specifically, I'll start with the Cardinals. I mean, Kyler Murray's starting to get MVP talk. I mean, he's he's balling out. He is 
put a team on his back, and it seems like Cliff Kingsbury is really letting loose and letting him loose, and it's showing the kind you know kind of talent that he is, and obviously bringing a player like DeAndre Hopkins in is just filthy. That's just like riches. Um, and his last two games, Kyler went 283 yards and three touchdowns, um, and this this was against the Dolphins, and 110 yards on the ground with another touchdown. And then last week against the Bills, in their Hail Mary last second win, he went 250 yards in the air for a touchdown and rushed for another two touchdowns. Kids going off. Um, I'm happy to see it. I like that kind of play. It's fun to watch in the NFL. It's one of those teams that I'll adopt kind of thing. I mean, then the other player that I touched on, Hopkins, I mean, he's doing Hopkins things. Shout out Jordan Brand. I mean, that's going to be a forever meme. Him going up against three Bills defenders, and he's wearing Jordan. And then it reminded me of that picture. Reminds me of that video of Tiger Woods chip. I can't remember what exactly it was where that it was the Masters. Yeah, so perfect on that Nike logo. Mm-hmm. It yeah. just trickles in. That exactly. was an amazing shot. So he's wearing Jordan gloves, and he catches it among Nike and Adidas gloves and Under Armour gloves. And I just think the marketing team for Jordan is going to have a heyday for a long time with that picture. Oh, yeah. Um, but moving on, um, the other team I touched on would be the Bucks. I mean, their offense is going bonkers. They lost last week, but calling in all of their losses this year, I believe that was two weeks third ago. Loss. Two they weeks ago. Two excuse weeks ago, me. yeah. Um, I believe that was their third loss of the season. You might have to fact check yeah. on that. I believe they're um, seven and three. But in all of their losses, the next game – they blow out every one of their opponents. I mean, blow them out of the water. Brady is spreading the ball around like wildfire. Gronk's looking like the old Gronk. He's getting a, you know, Antonio Brown involved. Mike Evans is Mike Evans. Chris Godwin is Chris Godwin. I mean, we've said it before and I'll say it again. It really looks like the Bucks' offense is, is meshing well. And I wouldn't be surprised if they came out of the NFC. I love it. They're fun to watch when they're clicking. Uh, the only issue really right now for them is that both of their two of their losses are to the Bucks or to the Saints who are leading that division. But the Saints got to rely on old 30 for 30 Jameis Winston there. And uh, <laughs> old basic surgery Winston. You know, I like uh, if if you got to replace Drew Brees with Jameis Winston, I'd say I like the Bucks' chances there. Definitely. And, you know, it's yet to be seen how long Drew Reed is going to be out. I mean, he's got a bunch of cracked ribs and a lung and stuff like that, but he's old and was told to be cautious. So, yeah, I mean, if Jameis comes in, obviously you don't want him to drop the ball, but if, if they drop a few games, the Buck, Bucks pick up a few games, I mean, it could be, could be, you've obviously got the Packers to do it in the NFC, but man, if they, if the Bucks can keep it rolling, they're going to be the favorite and I'm cool with it, man. I, I like offensive football. I like Tom Brady. I want to see him get as many rings as he can. And then that just filthy amount of riches that he has. Uh, I'd like to see him get a ring without Belichick. I think I've said that multiple times on this show. Yeah. And he, it definitely looks like he has a good chance to do it. But, um, yeah, man, so that's what I got going on good in the NFL. Um, you know, yeah. uh, to touch on the Kyler stuff, first off, that Hail Mary – the, his, the position of his body when he sets up to throw a 50-60 yard pass on that one play is insane. He's scrambling, has to square up his shoulders last minute, and is throwing pretty much off his back foot. And the, arm strength there, the arm strength there is insane. 
they're the team. They're the team. If you had somebody jump into the NFL right now, say, I know nothing about the NFL. I just want a team to follow. The Cardinals are that team. Cardinals are a fun team to follow if you're just jumping on the bandwagon. Oh yeah. The Cardinals are that team big time. And then on the bucks, offense is looking good. There's not a whole lot to dislike about that team. I don't like how their defense kind of disappeared against the saints, but in general, I think they're going to have very few hurdles in the NFC, at least getting to like, I mean, Hey, this could be the, the NFC championship matchup for all we know. Man, that would be cool, wouldn't it? They're just pure, like, young talent team that the Cardinals are. They're just riding the hot hand, and then you've got pretty much Father Tom on of, the other side. Yeah, you've pretty got much. A, a team of veterans on the other yeah. side. What do you got for good, Colin? Man, the Steelers. They're 9-0. They're looking and good, man. They're looking I good. mean, they, the, th- the thing is they're winning without looking that good, though. Like they're, they're down to their competition. They're getting it done. Yeah, I mean, pretty much playing to the level of their competition, but they're getting it done. I'm interested to see how they'll finish up down the stretch. They've had they've played some weak competition lately. You know, let's run it down real quick. On the schedule this year for the Steelers, Giants, Broncos, Texans, uh, that Titans game that got postponed, that's probably the best team they've played all year. Uh, Philly, Cleveland, pretty good. Baltimore, pretty good. Dallas and Cincinnati. So they've only got two real tests on that schedule of the upcoming tests for the Steelers coming up. Listen up. Ravens, Bills, Colts, Browns again. Who do you like the most to knock them off? Repeat that one more time. Uh, Ravens in Pittsburgh, Bills in Buffalo, Colts in Pittsburgh, Browns in Cleveland. I'd have to go with the Bills. Absolutely. I think I that definitely is... have to go with the Bills. Second place. Hmm, second place would be who'd you say was after the Bills? Uh Colts. That would be the Colts, just with that defense. Yeah. You know, they just they, they play, you know, they, they play hard nose deep. And like the Colts office isn't much, but if their defense can hold them in check and then just run it down their third, like, but Favorite would definitely be the Bills knocking them off for sure because that offense is another lethal offense in the, in the NFL. And if Josh Allen can go off, I mean, there's not many teams in the league that can keep up with them, you know? I agree with you there. I think, I think one on an outside shot, one outside shot on that to just to play devil's advocate. Steelers get to week 17 undefeated. Do they go for the undefeated if they've got the one seed locked up? I think it just depends on like injuries and stuff, you know, like where they, I mean. In, in, a, in, in this season, the coronavirus season, do you risk that? So, you're saying if they're undefeated at the end and they got everything locked up, is that, is that the question? No, no, no. I'm saying if they're, unde- if they're undefeated at the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got the yeah. one seed locked up. Probably not. I think Mike Tomlin's smarter than that. Yeah. Mike Tomlin's smarter than that. Because they're playing coach. the Browns, who by all means at this point are going to be – there's – shit, there's one, two, three, four, five. There's six, six and three teams in the AFC. The Browns are one of them. Ravens are one of them. So those – the Browns in week 17 are probably going to be fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah. They're going to be – yeah, they're going to be running and gunning. 
for it. And it's not, you know, it's not like, oh, one team is going to be like, oh, we want to rest because we've got it all locked up and just give you a win. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I, I just think that as an organization, the way that Mike Tomlin runs that, I think he's smarter than that. I don't think, I don't know. Like, how do you feel? Because undefeated's cool and all. I mean, it's only ever happened one time in history. So it's that toss up of like, well, shit, do we go for it? And then, you know, what, there's always the what if of like in the last game, Big Ben, you know, just man, God forbid, like breaks his arm or something like that. And then their entire playoff hopes are that entire season done. Like, let's be honest. Honestly, I want that monkey off my back going into the playoffs. I want that. I don't want to do, I don't want to go into the playoffs with that undefeated. Yeah. Cause that's all every extra weight about. on your back. Yeah. yeah. It's all everyone talks about. It's the headlines. It's what you're talking about. It's all like just, if you're going to lose a game, just lose a game. Don't go balls to the wall out to try and win it and do all these, this crazy stuff. Just, you got it all locked up. Just get yourself into playoffs. You're going to have the buy, right? So you'll have it. I, yeah, that's, that's my opinion on it. I agree with you. I don't, I don't think you really risk that, especially this season when, you know, any sort, any, any wild thing can pop up like contact tracing from the other team, like the Browns contact tracing to you. Anything like that can pop up in exactly. week 17 and just throw a whole wrench in your playoff preparation. I, I think you're right. You got to you gotta just bite the bullet on that Play it one. safe, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on to the bad. And I'm going to start off with the big bad bears. They're absolutely garbage, man. They scored seven you, points. I... They scored seven points against the Vikings. Or six points, sorry, six points against the Vikings. I'm not counting the kickoff return for a touchdown because, uh, you know, as far as their offense goes, those They're guys trash. do shit, man. And, you know, Matt Nagy even gave up the play calling uh, duties to, I guess it was the offensive coordinator of this game, and they still mm-hmm. couldn't get anything together. Now, granted, he was probably running Matt Nagy's plays. That's fine. But, like, you thought he'd shake it up a little bit, and then it doesn't help. Nick Foles getting freaking drilled in the fourth quarter, but it's not like they were in the game and really in the game at that point either. And they got hit real bad by a uh, kind of a low key announcer's curse. They were talking about their offensive line. Like I think it was Brian Greasy was just hyping up their offensive line like crazy. And then all of a sudden Nick Foles can't get a pass off. Like mm-hmm. they, like for some reason, the Vikings pass rush just took over that game. Yeah, I don't. I told you back when they were what five and one or five and two, whatever it was, five and one, that they were the worst five and one team we've ever seen. And now look, I mean, they're what they're five and four now, five and five. And five I'm and just five. like, okay. how did this team win five games? How did this offense score enough points to win five games? You feel so bad because, I mean, if we're being honest. Bears offense and the Bears defense are two completely different football teams, right? You put that Bears defense with any other offense in the league, that's like marginally good, right? And they're probably – If the Cowboys had the Bears defense, they're leading the NFC East right now. (laughs) That's not saying much, Colin. (laughs) That's not saying much to lead the It's true. It's true. (laughs) But – I just I don't know. You got to you got to start to think like is the defense like pissed off? Are they just like screw oh, this? We don't want to do this anymore. Like we don't care anymore. Like uh, that's just that is a dumpster fire going on in Chicago right now. 
And they allowed Kirk Cousins to get his first ever Monday Night Football win. You wondered who was going to be the first, and here we are. You know who, you know who is looking good, though, is Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> He's looking good, right? He's responsible bench. for most of those wins, man. Yeah. He, he, those couple wins could get him another contract somewhere else with another team. Like, you, never, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, which good for him, man. Whether he finds success in the league or not, that's just another year of a paycheck. So do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. And he just has to sit there and know that it's really not his fault. He did everything he needed to do and got benched. And now look at, at, look at them. I mean, it's not like, oh, Nick Foles is trash. But, like, I just don't know. Every time everyone has all these hype, all this hype for Nick Foles, it always ends up really bad. Oh, yeah. And the Bears just have this this air about them. I don't know what it is. It's almost like pre-World Series Cubs-esque for some reason. But they just have – it seems like it they're right. – yeah, they can't get it right, but it seems like they always have the talent. Like this Nick Foles trade was supposed to fix everything in Chicago. It was supposed to be, oh, we got the quarterback now, plug him in and play. But it just didn't work out that way. It's almost like uh, it's almost like if you if you'll entertain me for a minute, I got the tires fixed on my truck. Now the engine light came on. I got the engine light fixed. Now the you know, my radio went out. I got the radio fixed, and now my, you know, transmission. Well, yeah, because the just, defense was the problem before that Cleo Mack trade. Exactly, exactly. And it's just like one thing after another. It's all compounding on top of each other, and I think it's finally hitting ahead to where how much longer can they stand? How much longer can they do it? So, Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things where you just don't know the answer. because You really don't. You thought you drafted the guy. Is it? He wasn't the guy. You thought you traded for the guy. He isn't the guy. That's a so, rough spot to be in. That's a rough spot to be in. We can we can finish off the Bears by if we can you know at this point after all these okay we made these trades we made these trades we made these drafts blah 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 does it come down to a Bill O'Brien situation of just like it's it's just time to go for Matt Nagy. It's time to go for the coaching. It's time to get some fresh in there and just see if someone else can work with the talent that they have. Or mm-hmm. is it still a matter of getting the players in the field right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean sometimes it's the messenger, not the message. I don't know. It might be time to clean shop in Chicago. I don't. I really don't know. I haven't paid enough direct attention to the Bears to say somebody deserves to be fired, but. Yeah. The general consensus is it's not looking good from, you know, the people around sports media. It's not. It's not. And then, you know, they're going to get some random really big win against, I don't know, like the Packers late in the year. And everyone's going to be like, oh, see, Matt Nagy can do it. And he's going to they're going to bring him back next year. It's just going to be this thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, Michael, what was your uh, what was the downside of your NFL week? You know, I got a little bit of a couplet here, a little bit of a duo, just because these two teams are basically in the same position. Uh, They started the season in the same position. They started hot in the same position, and now they're stumbling in the same position. And those would be the Ravens and the Titans. Uh, The Ravens have lost two of the last three. The offense continues to look flat. I mean, we've come out – Lamar Jackson's come out and said, oh, the defense is calling my plays, and then the – Offensive coordinator came out and said that that's normal in the NFL. And he just, 
yeah, that offense, they, they, they're not running the ball like they were last year, just running it down people's throat and then allowing Lamar Jackson to, mm-hmm. you know, be the absolute freak of an athlete that he is. They're forcing him to, like, have to throw to win games. Not that he can't, but that's just not his, like, you know, forte, if you will. Um, and the defense, it doesn't look as strong. Um, Got to give him a pass for that Patriots game, in my opinion. Because he played oh, you mean the monsoon. He played well in general, in? but – even though we've long suspected it, nobody knew that Bill Belichick controlled the weather. I, you know, dude, it's almost like they, it's <laughs> almost like Bill Belichick hired a bunch of fire trucks outside the stadium and just told them to shoot just their fucking launch, like, it. yeah, just launch yeah, it in just there. Tie them up to the lights and we'll take care of the rest. We'll turn that we'll was flip miserable. Switch. Absolutely miserable. I mean, you got to, it's and almost it like cold as shit there, man. I, it's, I always hate watching the, or I, I love watching those football games, but I hate thinking about the situation the players are in. Oh, I would be miserable. I remember playing oh those kind of games in, in, in high school. I mean, granted, you know, down in Houston, it's not like anything up in like Foxborough. Anything below so 70 like, and you're yeah. getting covered in rain. It's it just miserable. sounds like just make it snow, man. <laughs> Just make it snow. I don't want make it snow wet. or just make it stop. Like I don't care if we win or lose. I just want to go home. Right. I just want to go take a shower and go get in bed. Right. But, that's what um, separates them from us. I would say. Yeah. Like, that's, oh, fair. They're the, that's the it's reason raining. they're making millions and millions of dollars, and we're sitting here talking about them. Is they would rather do that. We would. Shit, man. Not. We stood through. We stood through one of those games in college. And it wasn't even near that cold, and I was still miserable. And, that, we and were, I was we were, wearing weatherproof stuff. And we were sitting there with hand warmers and we were still yeah. bitching. <laughs> I hated that. I couldn't imagine being on the field for it. Oh my God. I couldn't either. But I, I think you got a point in the sense of like, if any, I mean, if, if the chiefs came in there and Patrick Mahomes had an off game, I mean, it's almost like you got to kind of give anyone a pass. Like, mm-hmm. not that it's like, Oh, the Patriots are going to win this game. Like they could have lost the game and the Ravens could have won, but in general, from a stats perspective and the way the team looked on the field, a general pass of just like, dude, they're just trying to get through this game. But yeah, in a general sense, the Ravens don't look good and they got to get it together. Um, moving on from them, my other part of the duo would be the Titans, obviously coming off the AFC title uh, appearance, AFC championship appearance last year. Everyone thought this was going to be one of the teams to beat with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and uh, that receiving core that they have. They've got a pretty good defense. They picked up David and Clowney and they started the season really well. And it's not like they're shitting to bed by any means but they have lost three of the last four um often struggled against the colts last week less than 300 total yards Mm -hmm. derrick henry's put in check granted the the colts have like the number one defense in the league but when you have that time that type of offense you expect them to figure something out right but um man the titans are, are slipping up and yeah yeah with i mean one of those losses was that overtime game against against the steelers so gotta consider that could have gone either way kind of thing. Um, and, then, and then, of course, like you said, with the defense of the Colts, this is, again, a team that, you know, not quite ready to hit the panic button with them. But at the same time, a couple of bad weeks here back-to-back could take them out of their division race. Currently, it's all six and three uh, between them and the Colts in the AFC South. But Yeah, I think it's um... – I think it's one of those just like mid-season slumps. Like obviously it's not the very season. I, I, I expect them to get it together because 
they're largely the same team from last year. And obviously it's hard to repeat anything in the professional leagues, but I expect them to turn it around, you know, some sort of way, you know, you and I have joked about picking up another team that's not your own, AKA the Texans. And for some reason, like I kind of like the Titans, but at the same time, like they're in the same division and it's just like, oh, like, oh, no, like I can't root for them. The Titans for you would be like, I mean, granted, you didn't have that tie to the Oilers quite, like, quite yet when they left town. But it'd be like your girl leaves you and then she wins the lottery and starts dating a dude with a jet ski or something like that. Yeah, it's it's not it's not it's not fun to to win the division a handful of years in a row and then. I mean, it's inevitable. Other teams are going to pick up pick it up and you're going to slip, but. Uh, you know, well, I mean, from the from the Titans leaving Houston perspective. Yeah. Oh, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'll say I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The Titans need to sell the rights to the Oilers and the all of I the rights to the oil of the Oilers to the Texans. The Texans if, need to rebrand. If we have one goal here at the Cooler Head Sports Podcast, it is to make Houston the Oilers again. I think that's, I think there's that's, one goal. that's the campaign that we need to just dive headfirst into. I'm sure there's one already out there. I'm sure there's a petition somewhere we can definitely sign, but that is a hill I am willing. To I think on. we need to really start hammering the grassroots movement of that and get it going because there's nothing more I want than to see powder blue in Houston again. Oh my lord! Just a complete rebrand, man. I would buy a Deshaun Watson jersey. And then, man, think about in a freaking heartbeat. You know the helmet thing. The Titans mm-hmm. went from a white helmet to a navy helmet, and now there's kind of two navy helmet teams in the AFC South. So let's just revert the Texans back to the Oilers. Give them a white helmet. Well, then there would be two whites with the. Uh, well, I mean, the the, there were before white yeah. helmets. You know, there was a white helmet before. I don't know. I'm just trying to be rational, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> but anyway. Moving away from the Texans and more towards the Titans. They're slipping up. I think they're going to get it back together. Sell the rights to the Oilers. I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> grassroots hey. move. Grassroots grass movement. Let's hop movement. on it. Let's just get in there. <laughs> so anyway, those are our bad for the NFL. Now let's move on to some matchups that we have going on. One of them being, oddly enough, ironically enough, Two of the teams I just talked about, the Ravens and Titans, are playing each other this week, Colin. So, yeah, man, um, Titans are falling a little bit flat. Ravens are falling a little bit flat. But moving on, Colin, to some of the premier, you know, matchups that you and I are looking at this week, ironically enough, those two teams play each other. The Titans and the Ravens are playing each other this week. How do you think that's going to go? It's really great. Uh, the, the old school offense that the Titans have mixed with the flash and – everything new that Lamar Jackson is bringing to the NFL. I love matchups like these. I love taking two completely different styles and just throwing them at each other and seeing who comes out on top. Doesn't mean one team's better than the other. Doesn't mean one philosophy is better than the other. Just taking two completely different styles of football and seeing how they blend on the field. I, I just, I love stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. It, it kind of keeps it interesting, right? It's, it's not just the same old, same old week after week. It's it's seeing this these two types of team clash, and like you said, seeing who comes out on top. Um, do you think? 
I don't, I hate to use the phrase, especially at this point in the season for both teams, for any team. Um, but do you think it's, it's any sort of must win for either of these teams since they're both stumbling? I wouldn't necessarily say must win. I think it is more important for the Ravens to win this game than it is for the Titans to win this game. Being right. that the Ravens are the tied, they're tied with another team in their division at six and three for the second place spot while the Titans are tied in first with the Colts at six and three, I think that just kind of makes it, you still got a chance at a playoff spot. If you fall behind the first place team in your division, trying to find a playoff spot in third place place is kind of tough. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I think just overall, I mean, for both teams in terms of like confidence and building on a win and going forth like that, it's obviously important for both teams to win. I mean, that's how you do well in professional sports is you win. But I like your point of just the way the divisions are lining up. If the Titans do happen to drop another game, it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. But the Ravens, with the way that their division is looking and how it's playing out, it's a lot more important to not drop a game. I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, and then – on top of that, the Colts are playing the Packers this week, so they could definitely lose that one as well and keep things even if the Titans were to follow the Ravens. Exactly. Um, Steelers are – who do we say the Steelers are playing? Steelers are playing the Jaguars. Not worried about chalk, that. You can chalk that up. I mean, unless they play down to their competition, but you can chalk that up. They did against the Cowboys, still came out on top. So, you know, <laughs> I think they're going to come away with a win there. Yeah. Mike, I am looking at – Chiefs Raiders this week. Ooh, that sounds rematch fun. of the Chiefs' only loss this season when the Raiders beat them in Week Five. Raiders have won three straight as well. I'd say. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Chiefs had to make a bit of a comeback there to make it close at the end. They did, but I mean, man, it looks like Patrick Mahomes is on another freaking MVP tear. It just looks like they are the cream of the crop is the chiefs and everybody else. I like the Raiders. I like the way they look. I like the way they've been playing. They've been running the ball really well. I got Josh Jacobs on my fantasy team. Oddly enough, I also have Tyreek Hill uh, from the chiefs on my fantasy team, but the Raiders have looked really good. The, the Raiders, in my opinion, have been pretty quiet this year. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like they're, they're a really quiet six and three. So they had that Monday night win where they beat the saints and then lost two straight to the Patriots and the Bills. But other than that, and then they go ahead and beat Kansas City. You're right. They've been quiet. They've been a good team. They only have one really bad loss, and that is against the Buccaneers. Uh, But, yeah, I I like this team in general. Uh, Are they going to make a deep run? I don't know, but maybe they can get in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. If I mean, if you're you're asking me to pick for this game specifically, I mean – I don't know. I, I want to say I expect it to be a good game, but it just seems like the Chiefs are just running away, like starting to run away with things. And I'd pick them in this game. If, I mean, I, but at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if they dropped one. I don't know. I don't know. They're coming off a bye week, going to be fresh. Looks like they've got the offense rolling. I really don't have too much doubt in the Chiefs this week. No. No, but it's going to be a good game regardless. I think it'll probably be a better game. Well, no, I think we both have really good matchups this week. I think both of these games are going to be like solid, like tune-in football type of like back and forth games. Big time, big time. I'll definitely have some FanDuel lineups 
Seth Warren. Mike, let's move on to college football. Uh, what what have you enjoyed in college football this past couple weeks? Dude, taking away, taking a step back in college football away from the Bama, from the Clemson, from the Ohio State, from, you know, hey, the surprise Aggies, our, our, our beloved. Um, man, it is really fun for me personally to watch the shakes, the shakeups that have happened this year. I'm talking number seven, Cincinnati, talking number eight, BYU, who's got a killer at quarterback. And then I'm talking number 15 in the country, Colin, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Those three teams are kicking ass and taking names and they're being noticed. And who knows what'll happen when the three of them get put up against a solid program, you know, in whatever bowl games each of them make it to. But hell, it's fun to watch and it's fun to watch the shakeups. And I think it's just good for college football. It's good storylines. It's feel good storylines. It's not the usual same old shit every week. Not that that's a bad thing, but I think that's in the, in the season that is going on in 2020, that's making me feel good and making me enjoy college football this year. What are your thoughts? I agree with you. I do like when these teams start to make themselves known. I like, and especially Cincinnati, you know, a good Ohio market. BYU is always kind of mixing it up in there. Coastal Carolina out of nowhere. The only, the only time I've ever heard of Coastal Carolina before this season was, remember a few years ago, they had their head coach do that press conference where he's a dog, be a dog, be a dog out here. (laughs) That's the only thing. That's the only other time I've heard of coastal Carolina before. Really? I'm, I'm surprised that you being you, I'm surprised you didn't bring up uh, when they won the college world series a few years back. That's true. I, I, I compartmentalize. I compartmentalize. (laughs) They won the world series a few years back from a football. football And on another side note, I know we're talking football here, but Shout out, Coastal Carolina. You now have an alumni that won the Masters. Shout out, Dustin there Johnson. You go. He is a Chanticleer. It's another one there. So overall, that school is doing some big things. But yeah, man, those are my feel-good stories, at least of this week, I can't, but of the season in general. Yeah, I can't pretend to know a whole heck of a lot about these teams. I've watched, I've watched both – among these three teams, I've maybe watched two games this year. Uh, I remember Cincinnati beating SMU and then BYU beating, I think, Texas State was a game I watched. But I I like these teams, and I'm going to throw out something crazy here because I've always thought about this ever since I started to get into European soccer. But this is why college football needs a relegation system, Michael. Now we're talking. Book it. Book it. it. Hey, talk about grass. Talk about grassroots movement. <laughs> yeah, that, that, this is going to be the podcast now. This is going to be the podcast. Let's pick a topic, and then Colin's just going to throw out some crazy-ass idea. And we're just going to run with it. We're going to oh, figure yeah. out a way to make it work and make it make sense, and then we're just going to start pitching, dude. We're just going to start pitching. Next, next season, we would have Cincy in the Big Ten, BYU in the Pac-12. We would have the Chanticleers in the ACC, Marshall in the ACC, uh, Oh, Liberty. I didn't even think about Marshall. That's Liberty in the one. SEC, Marshall, Lafayette in the SEC, Tulsa in the Big 12. Relegation system in football. Let's do it. Give the, give the small it. guys a shot. Get rid of Kansas. Throw Kansas out. They're done. <laughs> Kansas is done. I am done with Kansas. Canceled. Canceled. Cancel Vanderbilt. Cancel Kansas. Let's just get, let's get the small schools a shot in these bigger conferences. 
who else can we throw out? We can throw out Rutgers in the Big Ten. We, who else can we throw out in the in the ACC? Oh, give me a team at the bottom of that list. Oh, Jesus, let's go. There's so many of them. Uh, Syracuse, Louisville, Duke, <laughs> Georgia Tech, Virginia. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wake Forest, like, screw it. <laughs> no offense to all these schools, but come on, dude. You've got reading, these teams. I was reading from the bottom up, and I did intentionally skip Florida State. <laughs> You can't you can't History. throw out the program respect. like that. Yeah, you, yeah, you got you got to respect. They're just having a few off years. That's fine. But no, I didn't even. I'm sorry. I didn't even think. I apologize to Liberty fans, to Marshall fans. You guys are kicking ass too and taking names. I just think it's awesome. I think as shitty as a COVID football season is, and all these cancellations and postponements, it sucks. Like it is a dead beaten horse, Colin. That it sucks. It's not fun to watch these things happen. But what is fun, the feel good story, is that these teams are given a chance to go out there and freaking ball out. And guess what? They're balling out and they're making their name and their hype and they're so much fun to watch. And I don't know. I, I'm all here. I'm, I am here for it, man. Relegation. I agree with you. Let's get them, let's get them in the big conferences. <laughs> Open the doors up. Open the doors up. Screw it, man. Expand the playoff. No, I'm just kidding. Woody, moving on. <laughs> let's moving move on. on. We're getting too wacky. I don't know. What do you have for good in college football? I know you've got some good stuff. One of those big conferences started back up, and we're at a full slate minus the SEC now, which is great. You know, like, oh, yay, we got the we'll Pac-12 back. But then the <laughs> SEC is gone. We'll uh, get there. But, we'll yes, my, there. My, my, my positive is that the Pac-12 is back. You know, what the, you know what my favorite thing about your positive is, Colin? I get to see – well, okay, there's a couple, there's a couple things. One – there's some 9 a.m. kick 9 a.m. kickoffs. There's 10 p.m. kickoffs. So I get football. 9 a.m. Sunday kick 9 a.m. West Coast Sunday kickoffs. And we, we have Pac-12 at night. That's always fun because they're always shootouts. And one I of love my favorite waking things, up half hungover at 1 a.m. to see the score. It's great. In the third quarter, right? <laughs> to like a 50-48 shootout. Another one of my favorite things in all of college football. Pac-12 is back. That means Oregon freaking uniforms are back oh yes yeah big that's fan. i'm a big a fan i'm a big and fan. yeah oregon along with usc uh off to decent starts uh usc pulled off some crazy good comebacks against arizona state and then against arizona oregon beat stanford beat washington state those are the two teams that everybody kind of has their eye on for the playoff as far as the pac-12 is concerned Unless a and M's getting in the playoff, I want four different conferences. I don't. I don't want to yeah. do this double team thing. And I'm all. I'm all for it's it. It's probably not going to work out that way with Notre Dame and Clemson right now. Uh, so the door's probably shut on a And M with two ACC teams, anyways. Yeah, and kind of backtracking just a tad. A point that I did forget to make is I'm I'm super happy about like Cincy and BYU like kicking ass and being in the top ten. But that kind of that kind of shakes up our potential chances at getting like good rankings and good bowl games and blah, blah, blah. But I digress. I am, I've made it clear that I'm, that I, that I like Oregon, I like watching them play, but talk about history, talk about programs, man. I hope this is some sort of track that USC is back on. College football is fun when, when the Trojans are on top, man. That's one of the themes to this show. I feel like over just kind of our first few episodes, one of the things that we often harken back to is, the programs and the teams that make the sport fun when they're good because of their historic value. And Absolutely. it's different for everybody, honestly. It's 
so, you know, some people hate when X team is good, but love when Y team is bad, vice versa. You know, like yeah. me, I think it's fun in baseball when the Yankees are good, just because it's, you know, it's baseball and it's the Yankees and everybody else thinks, no, the Yankees should be dog shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> baseball is great when the Yankees suck. Yeah. But SC is one of those teams in my mind where it elevates the hell out of the Pac-12 when they're good. I think another team that we can even throw into that mix, and they're having a hell of a year, obviously, is a team like the U in Miami down mm -hmm. there in Coral Gables. Like, that was that was. – We've talked first, about them in that light before. Absolutely. That was, the, that was the first football, college football team I ever liked in my entire life. So, you know, you've got kind of those, like, nostalgia, like, connections to them. But, yeah, you've got Miami, SC in the Pac-12 – yeah, I, I, I'm happy to see them doing well and succeeding. And it's just you and I you and I both sit on that same page of it's fun when these certain teams are good. Absolutely. Um Colorado also two and oh right now. Washington one and oh. Mike, before we move on to our negatives, I do have to share a quick Colorado football story. Let's hear back it. back in the day. Go buffs. I was a wee tyke of maybe two or three years old. First college football game, the last college football game. Well, I won't say the last college football game. I won't remember because there's the whole college thing. But the last <laughs> college football game before my childhood memory kicks in, right? This is a story I've been told my entire life that I, I don't remember at all. So anyways, two or three years old, things are a bit different back in the day. Security's not quite the same in like a 97, 98. A&M's playing Colorado. The Colorado Buffaloes have a mascot in a suit and a mascot, like a real mascot, right? Yeah, an actual they don't, Buffalo. They don't travel with Ralphie, I don't think. They might, but I don't think they travel with Ralphie too much. Their main mascot's Buffalo Chip. And back in the day, the Aggies used to have a, a track all the way around the field, right? And this is right when skateboarding starting to take a pretty big uh, elevation popularity. Oh, so my parents let little old me kind of run around and I wish cell phones were invented too because <laughs> I tell you what I make a beeline straight I'm told I make a beeline straight for the path of buffalo chip riding a skateboard oh, and no. I just get flattened by this buffalo this giant buffalo head mascot wearing a football uniform just that is amazing just flattened just flattened. And for years, okay, so the fun part is for years as a child, you know, you know how when you're a kid and you misinterpret things, you're just kind of, you know, you're yeah. stupid. You misinterpret yeah. things. For years, I thought I got run over by, by an the actual buffalo. buffalo. Oh, you thought you got run over by Ralphie, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I wonder, I, I mean, I highly doubt it, but like, what if, what if there is a random sports center like not top 10 clip of you getting flattened by the mascot on a freaking skate i really wish i really wish that was the case because but but it's not because one coverage of football games yeah that wasn't was way, what yeah. it is back then and then uh and then two i just wish i wish cell phones were around i wish my dad had an iphone if I, I wish could, if I can time like, travel, oh, shit. <laughs> if I can ever time travel, I'm going back then because my young self, I don't have to worry about him seeing me and freaking out because he's not going to recognize me. So if I ever time travel, I'm going back to that game so I can record that video. <laughs> oh my God, dude. I would 
the amount of money I would pay. And I'm sure all the people that saw it on the sideline and the stands, just you freaking made their day, dude. Oh, you, man. that story, Colin, that, I mean, you know, the six degrees of separation or the butterfly effect, you have probably, I mean, not like a massive amount, but there is probably someone or a couple people in the history that were in humanity that were at that game and saw that. And you have been a story in their lives for so long. I want to hear the mascot guy. I, I, I want to reconnect with whoever was the Colorado Buffalo's mascot. Back then. Oh my God. That'd be amazing. About the time that he drilled a two-year-old while he was on a skateboard. And he couldn't do anything because he's a mascot, right? He couldn't yes. talk. He just had to be like, Ooh, like, Oh shit. Is this kid? Okay. <laughs> Like, did I just kill a toddler? Oh my god, that is amazing. I bet your dad, your mom were just like, <gasps> I want to say my dad was laughing. My mom was definitely worried about me. Oh, I would I would die of laughter if I was your dad. <laughs> oh man. He's like, oh, he's crawling. He's okay. He's crying. He's okay. Okay, fine. Yeah. Okay, let's <laughs> laugh at him now. Okay, now we can <laughs> laugh at him. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Thank you for that. That that made my day. Thank you. All right, Mike, what, what do you got as far as uh, your, your downside of the college football week? We're moving on, moving on to some downside after that miraculous story, dude. That's, that's amazing. I'm going to tell that to everybody. Man, I, Colin, I don't know if I feel bad anymore for what I'm about to say or if it's just like expected and like laughable, but the Michigan football program that is what's going on horrifically wrong in college football. Not just this year, but it, it's time, man. It's, I, I'm it's not a Vince. Jim Harbaugh hater. I'm not a Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. hater. But, like, dude, it's time. Like, their defense is getting thrashed, and their offense can't figure – it's just – I mean, they're getting – Michigan doesn't get blown out in football games unless they're playing Ohio State, Colin. They're getting blown – out. They lost 49 to 11 to Wisconsin, who hadn't played a game in like three weeks. And in the, I'm pretty sure in the Big Ten, outside of Michigan State and Ohio State, the stat was that Harbaugh is undefeated in his time at Michigan against yeah. all other teams in the Big Ten. And no longer. Man. No longer. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what went wrong. Obviously, like, in my opinion, like the talent's still there, the recruiting's still there, the tradition and the program and the big house, they're all still there. What's going on? I gotta I don't say, know. man, I think that Harbaugh, that Harbaugh coaching style just doesn't work anymore. I don't think. No, it doesn't. It's too it's like it's, it out. He's got to he's got to evolve a little bit. He's something's got to change. He's got to adapt. Like that that old school stuff works for some folks, but. As far as the majority of the kids are going to get playing for you these days, I just think that stuff doesn't jive. No. And maybe that's what's off. But it sucks because in a general sense, Colin, like I like Michigan. I root for them against Ohio State. Oh, no. I want to say the last time we talked was when we were doing some Big Ten preview stuff. Because they hadn't quite started yet. And Michigan was one of those teams that we were thinking – had a shot to shake things up. And Definitely. And just I've, completely I always, flat off the bat. I always root for them, man. And, you know, no affiliations, no mm-hmm. love for the – like, I've got nothing. It's just one of those teams. And Yeah, like, I root for Colorado because their mascot ran me over. <laughs> and I root for Michigan classic. for I mean, that's no a, reason. That's a classic reason to root for a team. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I just think it's time. 
that day and age is over with and Jim Harbaugh will get another job. Michigan will get another good coach, but I think it's just time that it happens. I think I'm officially done with the guy coaching his alma mater. I think I'm done with that whole concept. It's too much, like too much pressure, right? It's too much and there's too much expectation. Maybe I don't know what the right word is here. Help me out. No, I agree. And then there's that whole aspect of souring that relationship. Like, correct. You know, like, like, Oh, I'm the one that ruined this program. Yeah. Like cliff had, if, if cliff doesn't go back to coach tech, click cliff is forever. Like the greatest thing to walk on that campus, you know? Yeah. I don't, and then he goes and it kind of sours that relationship that the fan base has with them. And then he They're has no longer like the beloved. Program. Yeah. 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 It would just, it kind of, I mean, I imagine Cliff has somewhat of a sour taste in his mouth for tech now, you know? Probably. Yeah. And so that's what, that's what the weird thing for this Harbaugh deal is for me. It's like, man, everybody thought it was so great that they were getting their Michigan guy. You know, that's Michigan and USC are the two programs you often hear about, you know, wanting to get one of our guys in there. And it just, it doesn't seem like it's, yeah. Yeah. It's not working. And it sucks to see. It sucks to see because they're just one of those programs, you know, Mm -hmm. sucks to see, but Man, I don't really know what else there is to say. I mean, but that's what else just there is to say, Mike, is at least they're still playing football because the SEC COVID situation's got me down. Um, Moving on to your bad. <laughs> dude, four games postponed week 11. Bam LSU, A&M Tennessee, Georgia, Missouri, Auburn, Mississippi State. Michael, I am. Are you freaking out? No, I'm just pissed. I had. <laughs> Ever since they moved the Masters to November, I had this weekend circled on this past weekend circled on my calendar for the ultimate like breakout two TVs in the den, maybe go get an extra one with a Roku and just veg out on the couch all day. But then I got all my SEC football ripped out of that, man. It just made it emotional. Ripped from your heart, dude. It got ripped. Yeah, and all of the classic, not all the classic and games, going but. to Tennessee. I, my, I had some family who had tickets to that AM Tennessee game, too. And oh, no, they weren't too happy about that. RIP. Uh, and then also, you know, contact tracing your protocol and everything has postponed our game with Ole Miss this week as well. Uh, so two straight weeks without AM football, right? And we we're getting on momentum. I saw, <laughs> I think you might have sent it to me the tweet. Yep, where yep. You can't fall apart in November, November if, if you, you don't, don't play, play in November. No. Which <laughs> is, I completely agree. That is 100% uh, true. Been a kick in the ass for the past five years, I would say, as an AM fan. Uh, but I want the boys on the field. I love this AM team. I love the way they play. And we don't as, have much left of them. You know what I mean? As I've said before, this is the most stress-free feeling A&M football team I've ever watched. And you're right, not a, whole lot of lo- not a whole lot of time left with them. But we'll enjoy what we do get of supposedly we're going to make up both of these games. I was going to say, stretch, we, we've so. already got – we've already got – I know we already got the Tennessee game rescheduled, but we already yeah. got the Ole Miss game rescheduled. I'm pretty sure we? we're just going to play the Ole Miss game on conference championship weekend. Okay. I like that. Yeah. More than one SEC game, you know. I, I, I think I'm pretty sure that's what any because I think. Well, I don't know what LSU and Alabama are going to do now because uh, 
LSU already had that post postponed game with Florida that was put into that extra week at the end of the season. Well, let's be honest. Does LSU really want to get embarrassed by Alabama like this? No, man, but there's that whole – It's the rivalry. There's that, no, 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 no. It's the whole equity thing because most likely we're going to have Bama and Florida playing each other in yeah. the SEC championship. But if this displaced game for Florida doesn't work out at the end of the season and they end up losing to LSU, like, like does that really get held against them? Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. There's that that just doesn't parts. fit right with me. Now, what I will say is, to make you feel a little bit better, I don't know if it will or not, but towards the very beginning of the football season, we, we, we gave some praise to the SEC sticking to their guns, and they gave themselves a little bit of wiggle room, and now that wiggle room is coming into play, and they're happy that they have it because some of these other comps, like the Big Ten, you know, their, their games are straight up canceled, right? And they're not getting to play them, but – the SEC has a tad bit of wiggle room that they're able to utilize right now. You just have to keep it under control, right? Mm -hmm. Talk about following the science, right? When the Big Ten kind of pulled the trigger early, when the Pac-12 pulled the trigger early on that, their whole claim was following science, following science. But the scientists also said that the summer months were going to be a little easier than the winter months. As it got colder, things were going to get worse. And everything has started to turn out exactly as they have predicted it's almost like on a football right? and a complete societal scale in America. Things are getting worse as it's getting colder. Mm -hmm. And we've, I don't want to say we've known that, but we've been told that by experts ever since the thing started, ever since last March when we first got into all this mess. So you're right. The SEC, the, whether they did it intentionally or not, the way they just kind of held strong at the beginning of the season and said, we're going to play this has set them up better for these colder months when we knew it was going to get worse. So mm -hmm. I agree with you. You're right. I think one thing also doesn't make it, it doesn't make it any more fun that all these games no, are no, no, canceled, no, no. obviously, yeah. but one thing I will add to that. And it's something that we've talked about before really early on is that the conversation of moving back conference championship week potentially and the college football playoff is starting to pick up some steam. I don't think those are necessarily bad things either. I don't think you think those are bad things. No, either, those are good things. Yeah, I, those are, yeah. I really like I wouldn't, those two prospects. You know, obviously it can't be like an obnoxious amount of moving it back, but if they moved it back a little bit two here weeks. and there. Yeah. Two weeks. I mean, I don't, I really don't think that would, that would put a hiccup in anything. Like, who's going to complain about football for an extra two more weeks. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that would allow the teams to have quote unquote, like happy endings, the college football playoff to have happy endings, the conference championship, you know, like it would all be able to like resolve itself. Right. And tie off all these loose ends of like, Hey, this game, that game, this game, that game, we're at, we're still able to be played. The conference championships were able to be had and we we're still able to have a full college football playoff. Obviously we don't know what's going to happen with the rest of bowl season, but you know, I digress, but I agree and, with you. You know, life's not fair. Pandemics aren't fair, but give, giving that extra time at the end of it all, it would be fair to all teams and all conferences. And I, I respect that. I, I think it would be big for the NCAA and the college football playoff to show that flexibility when they're always just these 
stick to the book rigid rigid dickheads yeah. about everything the ncaa more than the college football playoff obviously but i think i think it would it would be good from a, a like a, of, uh, it would be good from an optic standpoint yeah, to like a visual standpoint show to, that mm-hmm. flexibility it would make i think that the players would be happy with it that the schools would be happy with it the, you know, everybody, all the money hungry people will be happy with it because they'll still get their nut. They'll still get their, you know, their checks and all the marketing and all the sponsorships and stuff wouldn't be screwed out of things. And yeah. I and one last thing I'll say about that front is I know, and I know we were hyped about it in September and October, but I think it's time that we get fans out of the stadiums again. 100%. I really think, I really think it's time that we pull fans from the st- I, I think we need to stop with, worrying about packing the house man i think like, if your number one priority is getting these games played i think you really just need to not have fans there i think they should have been doing that from jump and they should have stuck to their guns and not mm-hmm. done it at all because i don't think we'd be i even think the teams would be in a lot safer positions as well mm-hmm. you know so but that can be another conversation you know, for it's our sec it just means more and then you know whatever bullshit, we, bullshit, we, bullshit. we started it but I, I haven't agreed with it from the start. But anyways, Mike, let's move on to some games that are actually happening this week. Absolutely. I think we've got a couple good ones. We do. I'll get it started. One of my favorite rivalries in college football, Bedlam, is taking place this week. Interesting time slot in the season, obviously. Usually it's that Thanksgiving weekend, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but number 14 – Oklahoma State coming in at 5-1, taking on number 18, Oklahoma, who is 5-2. Oklahoma's won four straight ever since that 0-2 conference start. And then, of course, Oklahoma kind of sitting in the driver's seat, more or less, in the Big 12, having already beat Kansas State and Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State's in first place technically. That's only because they've played one more conference game that they've won. But Oklahoma State's got the tiebreakers. Mike, you think Oklahoma's fully bounced back and ready to roll in the Big 12? I tell you what, that 0-2 conference start was, was definitely eye-opening for that, for, you know, not only like fans of college football, but I'm sure for Oklahoma as well. But in the four games that they've won since, man, I mean, they've looked hella good. And we've talked about it before that Oklahoma State has not looked very convincing in all of their wins. And obviously with their loss, they weren't convincing at all. But I got to... I got an odd – odd is the wrong word, but I got a feeling Oklahoma could throttle Oklahoma State. That offense looks good. And I'm not – that's not – I don't want that to come off as a dig to Oklahoma State because they are a great football team and they are ranked higher, deservedly so. They've lost – you know, they've won more games. They've lost less games. All these things. And they're a great football team. I like Mike Gundy. I mean, one loss is overtime to Texas. So, I mean, that's exactly. not a Exactly. But – I don't know, man. It look, to answer your question, it looks like OU's bounced back a little bit. I agree. Um, they're looking really good right now. I think we're about to get into a situation with Oklahoma where we're going to have the two-loss Big 12 champion conversation as far as the college football playoff goes. It's possible. And, I mean, shit, you know, Oklahoma's <clears throat> been in, what, the last two or three playoffs now, Grant, they haven't really done anything with those appearances, but it could be like a favoritism, nepotism type situation of like, hey, like, OU's there again. Are you going to put them in again? If they win this week, they've they've gone full Undertaker gift. 
just oh, 100%. rising just up, out rising of back up out yeah. of the dead. And I'm, so have the Big 12's playoff chances if they do. Because I think that's the only th- – I think they have a better shot of getting in than Oklahoma State with one loss and this win on their schedule does. Yeah, I do too. And Just because the legacy very, game. Legacy, it's a legacy game. thing. And it's very well known in college football. You know it, I know it, everyone knows it that is a fan of the sport. If you're going to lose in college football, lose at the beginning. Especially in this year? Yeah. In this year where you have the whole, like, the pandemic excuse for a slow start? I think the college football playoff gives them leeway in that respect. Again, especially because it's Oklahoma. It's the legacy name. Now, you could insert any team, not just OU, if it was Bama or Ohio State, whatever. If they lose a third game, it's over. Obviously, there's no question mm-hmm. about it. It's done. Like, they have to win Absolutely. out in convincing, in convincing fashion. But it's one of those – it's one of those control-your-own-destiny cards could really fall your way type of thing. They need Notre Dame to beat Clemson twice. Which I don't think is going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen without Trevor – or with Trevor. But – I think Clemson's going to freaking be coming from next in that game. I think <laughs> that's scary. Dude. I think Clemson's going to be coming when from it comes to next. teams like Clemson and Alabama. I, oh man. I'll I'm tell you, you what. There. But no, I think, I think Bedlam's going to be fun this year. Um, both teams, both teams being in a position of like, got to win. It's important. Huge rivalry. We got to make a statement. I think it's going to be a great football game. A lot on the line for both teams. A lot on the line. I think that, I think that just adds to the story of the rivalry. But um, moving on, not so much a rivalry, Colin, but I'm moving over to my matchup in the Big Ten. We've got a top ten matchup. We've got Ohio, number three Ohio State versus number nine Indiana. Both teams undefeated. This is the first time they've both been top ten and played each other. And it's also the first time since 67 that IU, that the Hoosiers, have been in the top ten. So they want some respect on their name. They're balling out. Their coach has got them playing good ball. They're confident. They're a good sound football group or football team. But, Colin, it's Ohio State. It's the buzzsaw that is Ohio State, right? Justin Fields wants the Heisman, dude. He's got 13 touchdowns he's accounted for and 11 incompletions, Colin, on the year. Mm. On the year. Mm. I... I got some more stats. I'll do some rapid fire, rapid fire with you here in a second, but I want to get your thoughts on this game first. I think Ohio State's going to run away with this. Look, man, the Indiana thing with that Penn State win, that was such a weird deal, and they got all that hype right after that. And then they go on to beat Rutgers. And then they go on to beat a ranked Michigan team. But then again, we just had that conversation about Michigan. Michigan's cheeks. And then they go on to smash Michigan State 24-0. Indiana, in my opinion, has pretender written all over them. I think, personally, Ohio State's going to run away with this game. But, but, obviously, this goes without saying, if – Indiana upsets Ohio State, that's going to be monumental. But if they, I mean, if they keep it a close game, if they only keep it to mm-hmm. one, two, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe even three scores, right? That's still a, probably a, a comparatively speaking in terms of program, right? And talent mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. That's not going to be that bad of a loss if they keep it relatively close or keep it less than three scores, right? In my opinion. No, I, I don't think, 
I don't think people are going to be like, oh, Indiana, like they could lose this and then keep winning. But I agree with you. I don't know if I'd call them pretenders, but. And I love being proved wrong, man. I love being proved wrong. So if they aren't pretenders and they win this week, show me more power to them. They're 20 and a half point underdogs though. I'm not, I'm not too thrilled on that. So with that, line that you just mentioned i'm gonna hit you with a couple rapid fire facts for and you. it's at the shoe man this is done I'm not- <laughs> this is donezo dude pack it up dude pack it up and go home so hear me out oklahoma state i'm sorry oklahoma ohio state has won 24 straight against indiana right that's first fact mm-hmm. that just doesn't bode well ohio state's offense is on a simply historic run at the moment just in the second quarters alone of this season colin Ohio State has outscored its opponents 45 to 10 and outgaining their opponents 419 to 93. They've won 17 consecutive games over Big Ten opponents ranked in the top 25. That is the longest streak in poll history. Mm-hmm. They have won 22 consecutive home games, which is the one of the top streaks nationally. And the program record is 25, but that doesn't matter right now. And 19. 19, Ohio State has the nation's longest active, active regular season winning streak at 19. And their average margin of victory in those 19 games is 31 points. When I tell you that this team is on a historic oh offensive God. run, I, I'm not joking. <laughs> I mean, it is filthy what Ryan Day has and what he inherited at Ohio State. Give me that. Absolutely, Phil. Give me that. Give me those numbers for the second quarter thing. Again. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, I'm, I'll hit you with a couple more. I got a couple more on top of that second quarter stat. They're all for the second quarter. Ohio State has outscored its opponents forty-five to ten, outgained them four nineteen to ninety-three. In the la- in the last two weeks, in its wins over Penn State and Rutgers, Buckeyes have had a three hundred and eleven to fifteen advantage in total offensive yards. Ohio State outscored Rutgers 28 to nothing in the second quarter, and they outgained the Scarlet Knights 194 to 11, had seven first downs and only 11 minutes worth of possession. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, granted, granted, it's Rutgers. It's understandable. But, like, that is disgusting. Dude, they just – That is they, disgusting. They play – other Big Ten schools the way we're used to seeing A&M play like FCS Texas schools. Exactly. Those numbers that wow, those second 419 to 93 for the season in the second quarter alone. They have not given up 100 total yards in the second quarter all season. That does not bode well for Indiana. My God. 17 straight games over Big Ten opponents ranked in the top 25, 22 straight home games, 19 regular season winning games, winning by a, to- a combined 31 points a game. <laughs> like, I don't know what you do with that. That's what if I'm saying. Like, how do you like, – and then at the, at the beginning of that, I told you that Justin Fields has 13 touchdowns and 11 incompletions. Like, the, the efficiency of that offense is disgusting. And then you, you have those kind of stats – that takes all of the pressure off the defense of keeping them in games. Mm-hmm. That defense is allowed to just let loose, right? And just mm-hmm. let their athletes play and let their playmakers make plays, right? It takes all – because they know 
their offense is going to score in three plays. Like, no problem. No, no questions asked. I think – It's a top ten matchup, but it's really not. I think the best strategy for Indiana going into this game, and it's a bit off the wall. It's a bit of an unorthodox strategy going into it here. But I think you send your second and third string quarterback to like five house parties this week and try (laughs) and get them sick and then bring in the contact tracing thing. Isolate them from the rest of the team, but then just claim the contact tracing thing get this one canceled, and then just move on with your undefeated record. I think that's the best strategy for Indiana this week. You know, I liked your idea earlier in this episode of let's just pick some topics and you throw some absolutely bonkers, irrational ideas. That might be the best one you've had yet because there's no chance. I'm an ideas guy, especially when they're irrational ideas. (laughs) Take one for the team, right? Take one for the team. Just go get COVID. And if AM has their COVID issue for the Bama game, undefeated right now. Undefeated. We're looking, looking we got to get our solid. ass kicked at the end of the season, but undefeated. <laughs> God. Yeah. So, in conclusion, I think Ohio State's going to run away with this one. The only reason I picked this matchup is because it's a top 10 one. It's, it's the best in terms of ranking, it's the best matchup of the college football slate this week. Um, but it's not going to be that close. Let's be honest here. It's and it's not. at the shoe. It's yeah. Yeah. That's ugly. That's not so, yeah. good. That's what I got. I think your game's going to turn out a lot better than mine, bud. It doesn't have too high of a bar set for it. <laughs> oh goodness. Hey, but real quick side note, we don't have to get into this too deep. Um, so we're trying to wrap up here, but, in my opinion, my humble opinion, in my opinion, that's not necessarily right, if ever. Shout out Urban Meyer, man. Shout out Urban Meyer. Mike, or excuse me, Ryan Day is a hell of a coach, and he's a hell of a recruiter, and he's clearly made it happen, and he's proven that he is the guy for the job. And I guarantee you, if not this year, soon, he's going to have a nas- He's going to have a ring. He's going to have a national championship, and it's going to be his football team. But Man, shout out Urban Meyer for being able to build that type of program. He did it at Utah. He did it at Florida. He did it at Ohio State. And I think it's just going to show that he's one of the greats. And that's just my opinion. He's one of the names that's often associated with the Texas job. And I don't want that to happen. No. I, I know and, you like when Texas is good because it makes college football fun, but I wouldn't be able to handle that very well if Urban Meyer yeah. did that to Texas. And – Ryan Day looks like Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. That's the end of my analysis on that one. I can get behind it. I'm not a big Ohio State fan, but I can get behind it. Clear, uh, was it? Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. There you go. Well, Mike, we're moving on to the closing question. And I came up with this week's for the first time in a couple of weeks. So it's about, about time, right? Woohoo! Fine, about time since, to do some work. Since I shared one of uh, my favorite childhood stories about my sports fandom uh we're gonna go back to childhood on top three childhood sports idols not affiliated with your favorite team so like okay for instance we couldn't take jeff bagwell or biggio you know okay not affiliated with our teams okay lead it off lead it off Hmm. let's see we're gonna take away the controversies 
that this certain athlete was involved with. Um, because OJ? <laughs> not OJ, oh, not, not, not murder. <laughs> um, but, um, that'd be a I'm weird go... person to, for, sorry, for someone who, who was born after the whole Bronco chase, uh, that would be <laughs> weird for you to idolize OJ Simpson growing up. It'd be a little odd. Got a weird first taste <laughs> of that guy. That was weird to say. Wow, never mind. Um, I take that. Back. But we'll go number one um, off the top of the list. I'm going to go with Tiger Woods, man. Oh, hell yeah. I'm going to go Tiger Woods. Just, you know, obviously, possibly the greatest golfer of all time, all the accolades, all the championships, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But just the pure, like, determination to be the best and outwork everybody and be out there after a full round of golf basically, you know, on the practice green, you know, whatever, whatever he did to become the best and like the way his dad raised him, just very, very easy to idolize a guy like that, just to be the best and for it to come to fruition and, you know, all the injuries, all the things he went through to come back. I mean, obviously he won the masters last year, but just, I can go on and on, but Tiger Woods. There's a Tiger's deeper one convers- of those guys. There's a deeper conversation there with Tiger too, and I love I love that you started off with this one because it's one of my favorite things about Tiger Woods, and it honestly does not have a whole hell of a lot to do with him. But golf's not golf today without Tiger Woods, no. and he transcended the sport. We don't have the golfers we have today without Tiger Woods. Now, to an extent, you could say that there are some guys where you're just going to be the guy that you are no matter what you know mm-hmm. but i know guys like justin thomas uh i think dj has attributed some stuff to tiger uh rory's often referenced tiger's importance in his interest in golf growing up tiger opened the door for golf to be cool 100 percent, and and be exciting and, and be... yeah and that opened the door for kids to say this is something i could do i don't have to be six three I don't have to be muscle bound. I don't have to be the strongest guy in the world. I can be good at this and it doesn't matter how big I am. Like he's, even though that limitation does not apply to tiger, he's, he opened the door in a lot of kids minds back then to the idea of playing golf and not, and it was the old man sport back then. And in the fashion to which he did it, right? I mean, he was blowing courses out of the freaking water, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, he won the Masters in 97 by 12 strokes. Like, mm-hmm. what? Like, and he was young back, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just, you know, he's up there with Sam Snead and Nicholas and, and Palmer with all these, you know, top guys of all time. But like you said, those were the old realm. Those were the old guys of golf that it was just like, oh, it's a, just a dad sport, you know, it's mm-hmm. boring, whatever, blah, blah. Tiger made it cool to watch. Tiger was must-watch golf, must-watch TV. Didn't matter where you were. People remember where you, where they were when Tiger did this or Tiger did that. And just to be able to grow up in that era, not that I'm, like, the biggest golf fan in the world, but he's he is solely the reason I, like, what to whatever extent I do, pay attention to it. And it's just very motivating. It's very idolizing someone like that that sought to be the best from a young age put the work in and did it so tiger woods i like drafted number one overall who you got for number one i've got i okay so i've got one that i'm going to exempt but mention right here because uh i've mentioned it before uh vince carter 
hands down was the only choice in this one for me. So I'm going to go ahead and, and put him to the side because I've talked about my infatuation with Vince Carter and what he meant to me as a kid growing up, the just seeing a superhero in real life on honestly almost. Uh, but my, my, my number one for this list, and I think this guy has a lot to do with why I was so quick to forgive my Astros through the cheating scandal. And that is Mark McGuire. My baseball fanhood starts with the 1998 home run race. Mark McGuire is just that quintessential nice guy, man. And again, there was a, there was a superhuman quality to what he and Sammy Sosa did mm-hmm. in that year. Absolutely. And I mean, I mean, in all honesty, you could throw Sammy Sosa and Ken Griffey Jr. as a one, two, three in like a trio for this. But for these purposes, the guy who stands out among that group for me is Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire was so humble too, you know? Yeah. He and was so humble. Giant. And it turns out it was the Roids. Who'd have well, thought? Who would have thought, you know, <laughs> back in that day? But now I like that pick. Mark McGuire, after, you know, I, one of my childhood best friends, uh, his dad was a massive Cardinals fan and had Mark McGuire stuff. So that was kind of my first, like, exposure to him and then kind of like growing up in the sports world and like doing my own research i realized that mark mcguire was a freaking certified badass and then watching that 30 for 30 that they put out on the home run race like roids aside whatever but i saw i developed a soft spot in my in my heart for mark mcguire like it was cool to see the career that he had and how he went down a little bit then he got revamped going to the cardinals and just the type of career and how beloved he was by everybody Mark McGuire is a cool guy. I'm going to take, I'm going to go baseball second as well. And this is, I feel like I've gone kind of cliche in these, in these first two picks, but Hey, I, an idol is an idol. Right. And this guy like Tiger was an idol to a lot of people. And I didn't really find my pure appreciation and respect to him until the latter end of his career. But that doesn't mean he wasn't must watch baseball growing up, man. Not a big Yankees fan, but it's number two, Derek Jeter. Number two. Number two, Derek Jeter, Jeter, man. Another one of those guys that just childhood prodigy sought out to be the best. He, you know, he, call it for what you will, he, you know, he, he landed on a, on a Yankees team that is forever legendary. And, but there are some that argue that Derek Jeter would not be a Hall of Famer if it weren't for the pinstripes. I'm not one, but there are some that argue that he would, he would have had a different career for sure. That era of baseball is so romanticized in my mind that I could take anyone, anyone from that late 90s, 2000s and throw it in there. And to transition to my number two, it is Luis Gonzalez who beat those Yankees in the 2001 World Series. I've, I have not had a flat-out, like, short-term dedication to a team the way I did the 2001 Diamondbacks between Luis Gonzalez winning the home run derby and then him hitting the walk-off home or the walk-off base hit in game seven of the World Series. For that span of months, I was just obsessed with the Diamondbacks. Really? And then that pitching staff to boot with it, uh, you know, Schilling and uh, Randy Johnson, Bung Young Kim was in there. That was just a fun team to like. And Luis Gonzalez, the funky stance, the just kind of everything seemed unorthodox about him. 
but he was just really fun to watch. He was yeah. a fun guy to pull for, in my opinion. You know, I can't say that I have a whole lot of experience watching him or a whole lot of knowledge on him, but at least, you know, I at least know the name and know who you're talking about and can picture him in my head. And I can definitely see why someone would be so like infatuated with that type of person. And then that team and just, like you said, like that era of baseball, just being like romanticized and like the countless number of players that you and I could pull out of our ass and list them as an idol. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree. Yeah. Who do you got to round it off? Got to round it off. Um, we've talked about this a little bit before here and there. Um, it was even so much as in this episode, um, but I'm bringing it to college football and it was the first team I ever liked that I paid attention to that I followed to. And he was the quarterback of that team and I wanted to be him. And for some reason he was just the most badass person in the world. It's the Miami quarterback, Ken Dorsey, all mm. hurricanes football back in what? 2000, 2001, 2002, that legendary U part two team for some reason, man, Ken Dorsey being the quarterback of that team with the amount of Hall of Famers that are now on that team. Sure, but you're the quarterback of that team. And, dude, I idolized that guy. I had the the green Ken Dorsey jersey. Ken Dorsey was a badass. You had a green Ken Dorsey jersey? I had the green Ken Dorsey jersey. I took my third grade picture in it. That is awesome. (laughs) That's classic calling right there. That's classic. But, no, man, the, the guy just slung the rock. And the talent that he had that he had and that he had surrounding him. I mean, just that team, you, I, I could just say I idolized that entire football team. Oh, yeah. going players. Right. So I'll just stick with Ken Dorsey, man. He was, he was my badass when I was a young kid getting into sports. That's a good one. You know, all of ours <clears throat> going on to my last one, all of ours kind of hover around that, that very front of the two thousands for the most part. Well, that was our childhood. Yeah. And that was our childhood. My last one is related to the first ever Super Bowl I watched. I didn't go into that game even rooting for this guy um, because no one knew of him. You might know his name now. Tom Brady. I thought about listening to him. I thought about listening to him because how legend was that in those couple of years? Dude, that was the – I'm I'm not lying to you when I say that was the first ever Super Bowl that I ever paid attention to as a kid. And uh, if dude, if I'm if I'm being real with you, not just for sake of like the conversation, just to like agree with you to agree, I'm pretty sure those Brady Super Bowls, especially his first one, was probably like the first. That's like my earliest Super Bowl memory. If I'm being 100 yeah. percent honest with you, you know, yeah. I was a big fan of Tom Brady's. I was a Patriots fan. He for, made me a Patriots yeah. fan. Yeah. I want to say until I kind of fell out of liking the NFL there for a little bit in like 06, I think. And then I just like never reverted back to it because it would have felt cheap for me in my opinion, but always, always have really loved Tom Brady as a football player. Just seemed like the coolest guy on the planet. Coolest guy on the planet. Best looking guy, you know, in the league, just Mm -hmm. so suave. And so like, in control and like I'm the guy and like he's still doing it today I mean talk about an idol someone that you've idolized from a kid to now and we've talked about it before of wanting these types of players to get as many rings as they possibly can and to be to to for our childhood memories to start when his 
when the legend of Tom Brady started, like that was cool. Like every generation has those handful of players in every sport that like they were there when those guys started. Right. Oh yeah. And, and I, you for know, us, I think... it's Tom Brady. It's guys like that to where literally Mount Rushmore, if not, you know, obviously he's the greatest of all time. Like, yeah, I agree with you. I like that pick a lot. Yeah. You know, I, honestly, I just kind of had this thought pop into my head, but it's, I'm pretty sure like once Brady retires, that's, the end of the book as far as like childhood sports for us go like everybody else is out of the league and like a gm or a reporter or something right now it's hell getting old isn't it (laughs) but like isn't that i'm pretty sure that's gonna close the chapter on that chunk of football when tom which is sad but we can look back and appreciate it you know oh yeah and that's what i've always said when it comes to brady is just actually pretty much any athlete there's a few exceptions there, but I've never been the hater. I've never no. wanted to be the hater because I've always felt like that was a short-sighted way to watch sports. You got to appreciate it for what it is. You got to root for what it is. Like there's, it's life's too short to be a hater. You know what I mean? And especially for a guy like Tom Brady and that era of players, like those guys ushered us into the sports world. Like who are we to sit there and hate on them? You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Always positive out here at the Cooler Red Sports Podcast. Always positive. Always positive. Unless we're talking Houston sports. Right, Mike? You know what, Colin? I think, I think that's a wrap. Or the 2020 episode. Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> or if we're talking COVID tests, because we're always, you know, negative in that regard. So We're always negative. <laughs> always negative. <laughs> well, we oh, man. All right, let's close it up, Mike. Where can the people follow you? Absolutely, man. The Candyman can always be found on Twitter and Instagram at Mike and Ike 55. That is M-I-K-E underscore N underscore I-K-E 55. Shoot me a like, shoot me a follow, shoot me a DM. Let us know if you got any burning questions. We'll be happy to answer them. And yeah, Colin, where can you be found? On Twitter, it is at cpain012. On Instagram, it is c.pain012. And then of course, you can follow the show at Cooler Heads Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review. If you don't like the show, don't leave a review. That would just be nice. Um, if that you would do be leave negative. a bad review, that's cool too. But tell a friend, enjoy yourself, be happy, try to like us. Hey, how about that? Anyways, Mike, I really enjoyed talking with you today. Really enjoyed sharing some stories. Um, Absolutely, man. It's always a good time. I'm glad we got back into it. Take a little bit of a hiatus for some personal reasons, but always happy to be here, man. Yeah. uh, Everybody, don't go getting run over by any buffaloes on skateboards out there. And y'all stay safe. I was just about to say, let's go spread that story around because that is pure gold. Peace, guys. Everyone have a wonderful rest of y'all's week. Happy holidays.